She was always a Midwesterner, but then she went out to California, moved out to Ojai, decided to do the big dream. I'm moving to California. I'm going to get rich and famous. And after a decade, she's like, nah, screw that. She came back, she bought a farm down in Iowa, and she remains as good, if not a better songwriter than she's ever been. One of my very, very favorites. We gotta at least let it go here. Oh, she's just one of the best. She's one of my favorite live performers to watch, and I don't know what it is, right? Because there are plenty of people who play with energy, passion, talent. They're lyrically capable. They do great music. They can play the shit out of their guitar. But there is something about Lissy where every time she's on stage, I don't know if it's because she has her dog sitting in her guitar case or she just has this crazy radiant dynamism that I cannot take my eyes away from. One of my very favorite live performers of the last 20 years. And she's now on the show Louder Milk, which it sounds like they're, they signed for a fourth season. And at the end of season three... Those two kind of connect. Do you want me to spoil some of it for you? I will never watch it. Okay. So apparently she was in a band called Pool. and they, In real life or on no, the show? In, on the show. Okay. But Loudermilk was a music critic. That's what he did for years until Uh-oh. he bottomed out. Um, so some of it's about sobriety and recovery and all that stuff. But, but <laughs> he was drunk and high when he wrote the column about her. Uh-oh. And ripped the band to shreds. So she, it was her, you know, the, the her freshman debut, you know, her yeah, de- yeah. debut album. Uh-huh. He ripped her to shreds in Rolling Stone magazine, where which he wrote for. Oh, and she gave up music. Wow! Yeah, in the show. So now that he's sober, he says, "Oh shit, I need to make amends." He he ends up hearing some of her stuff at a at a woman's place. She puts a record on. He's like, "Who is this?" He's like, "Oh shit." I destroyed that band when I was drunk and high with this review that I wrote. Wow. But he ends up making an immense tour long. You know, it, it's just phenomenal. But she ends up doing that song acoustically in a coffee shop because this guy recognizes her. And it's just unbelievably great. Well, but she's not a bad actress either. She did a nice job. Yeah, no, I like everything about yeah. her. Lissy, as we get things started on episode 171 of the Brian Oak Show podcast here in the Smart Start MN studios. Thanks to Smart Start for sponsoring the show before we literally made even a single episode. They've been with us the whole time. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? It means that if you drink and drive, you're going to lose your license, whether you're found guilty or not. It's over. You're not driving for a while and you have to get back behind the wheel. No, None of us have a life very very few of us have a life that you can get by without driving and they will help you long before everything else has been sorted out get back behind the wheel of your vehicle and they can do it for a very affordable price yeah if you go to smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show that will get you 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock yeah do check them out and make sure you go through that link it gives us a little credit gives them some good business but also don't drink and drive it's weird to have the main sponsor be someone i hope you never call but that's not the way the world works, especially now that it's opening up again. People are back out there. They're celebrating all the time. The amount of live music rushing back into our lives right now, 
it's weird. It's like when the ocean goes out a little bit and you're like, oh, this is no problem. I'll walk out. And then you get that seventh wave that comes in and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, it's too deep. No, no. Or you're, or you're in like the wave pool and that one wave was a little bigger than you expected and you get water up your nose. But in the best possible way, there are suddenly so many options, not just now, not just in the next week or two, but as things are opening up, so many things are hitting the books. It's kind of incredible. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit because, well, today's guest is someone who likes to get out and perform occasionally from time to time. Janie Winterbell will be joining us just ahead. But before we get to that, I do need to say something. Happy birthday, Sean Bernard. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was yesterday. The big 5-0. 50! It's just weird. Damn, I think people son. are like, are you upset about it? I'm like, I'm not upset. I'm not mad. It's just freaking weird. Like, it's just bizarre. Because I remember looking at my Uncle Jerry when I was about 20 and Jerry was 50. And he's from North Dakota, and I, I know he's not listening to this podcast. But, but he looked like he was 90. He looked like he was 90. You know, he just kind of had that, I don't give a shit about what anybody thinks about how I look, yeah. what I wear. I'm wearing the white socks up to my knees. You know, like I, wore, I, I wore flip-flops to work today, right? Yeah, I'm 53. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. it. But it was weird. I feel like when we were young... 50s and 60s looked older than they look today. People people looked older yeah. back then. I mean, my grandmother, when she hit 60, she looked like a proper grandma. And yes. my mom, who is now, what, 73 years old, doesn't look as old now as my grandmother did at 60. No. It's weird. No, and you look young and fresh. Oh, thank you, Ryan. What are you doing later? Easy guy. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Not hanging out Why with don't you. you enjoy a nice water beverage. There. I think I'm going to. We're going to do this podcast, and I promise you, we're going the wrong way. Janie, uh, Janie Winterbauer is up next. But first, speaking of getting back out and seeing all these live shows, yes, this band, this Welsh trio right here, is again. When I talk about my favorite live acts, I don't know if I've ever seen a trio other than Husker Du produce as much wild, full, rich, impossible sound than this band right here. Whether they're playing a stripped-down format at the Turf Club, which they're going to be doing in December. And I've secured my place there already because I love this band more than almost any other band on the planet right now. The Welsh Trio, the joy formidable as the Brian Oak Show continues.
So really an incredible band, the Joy Formidable. They'll be here in early December performing at the Turf Club. Highly recommended. I've seen them in four different venues in town right now. They usually do something a little more stripped down at the Turf Club, but in case they go full-blown rock action in your face, you have to check them out. That song is called This Ladder is Ours, and you should check out the video because it features the band out walking in the desert in the midst of this massive dust storm, and I had no idea (laughs) that this specific type of dust storm had a name. Sean, go ahead and tell me that name. It's called... A haboob. 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 Spelled H-A-B-O-O-B. Yes. And when you said that out loud, I'm like, you can't talk like that, all right? There's <laughs> there's a woman in the room, okay? You can't talk <laughs> like that. But you did anyway, and I looked it up, and you're absolutely right. One of those giant wall yeah. of, like, kind of like from Mad Max or something like that. Just imagine somebody that's seeing a one just yelling at the top of their lungs, Exactly. Well, that's what that video is like, by the way, if you want to go check it out. We should probably talk to our guest, Janie Winterbauer, for more than 20 years. Hard though it is for me to believe, because she's so young and dynamic, she's been making music in this town for more than 20 years. You may remember Astronaut Wife, and if you don't, you should go check them out. But she's also contributed her voice to so many other things. I don't even really, I wouldn't know how to do the list any sort of justice or or accuracy because she has played and sang with so many people. Also, as we're about to find out in a little bit here, done her own share of commercial work as well. Janie, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. It's very nice to see you. Thank you for agreeing to come in. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's very nice to have you here in the Smart Start MN Studios. You've been making music for a long time. You and I have crossed paths and known each other on social media and in the real world for quite some time, Mm -hmm. but you've been making music forever. But for those people who are not lucky enough to have entered your orbit. Can we find out a little bit more about you first? Oh, sure. Where are you from? I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Born? West Side. Really? Yep. A West Side? Okay, yep. now interesting because I don't know what, about half the guests we've ever had on this show are yes. like proud East Siders. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, they're like peppercorns. Pain reliever. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, no. So <laughs> That's you're... a different side of the tracks over there. <laughs> <It is. laughs> so you're a West Sider. So I live in Southeast Minneapolis, literally just across the river, probably from where you were born and raised. Mm-hmm. Did you like growing up in St. Paul? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was so definitive and so quick. Tell, I, I, tell me why not. I wasn't in, I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood. I understand. You know. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I was on the other side of the high bridge. Okay. And by the time I was in junior high, I decided I didn't belong on that side of the I see the river anymore and I, I understand I wound up on the other side of the river and yeah, well, going to school over there on the right on the right yeah. side of the and river I found, if you will I found my freaky friends yeah well and, yeah. and that's crucial right like mm-hmm. I mean I grew up in Coon Rapids and so I didn't like it there either and I left the second I could but what I did like I did like going to school there and I did I did like growing up there I liked the area I just didn't like the people right yeah. and you have to find your tribe if you don't find your tribe, then, I mean, it's a matter, I get, and again, don't take this the wrong way, everybody, and I'm not using this word pejoratively except how it was used against me. When you get called faggot every single day just because yep. you have a silly haircut, yep. time to go, man. Yep. Time to get away from those people. That's You're not exactly changing it. them. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, same situation, I'm sure? Well, yeah, and like, <clears throat> we, me, in, the, in the mid-80s, you know, when I was 12 years old, it was a rite of passage as if you were a girl to walk down Smith Avenue and count how many cat calls or, you know, like hoots you got from dudes in cars. Yeah. 12 years old. That's freaky. I know, but that's and the scary. way it, that's the way it was. Wow. And I remember feeling proud because somebody was like honking at me. Yeah. And then I turned 13 and I realized that was really bad. Fuck that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it, Janie. So you move over to the other side of the river. You start going to school on the other side of the river and you're growing up. At what point does me, I mean, 
obviously when you're a weird alternate kid which i was also one music is very informative i mean that is your solace that's your your cocoon your oasis a lot of the times but when do you start making music when do you start feel like you yeah i'm like i can sing i should be doing this well i was about nine years old when i got the theater bug oh so yeah that's, i was okay i was a ctc brat when by the time i was mm. 10 years old i was doing main stage shows there wow and i actually got uh, C's and D's in, in vocals. I was great at dance, mm. and I was great at acting, and I was a shit singer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't had any training. Yeah, no, you I know. know. And all of these other kids are from the suburbs, and they've right. had these rich, expensive lessons. and Their entire lives. Absolutely, and their moms drive them all over the place, and I had to take the bus, you know. Yeah. You know, I was like... Yeah, they maybe had their private lessons, but they didn't have the moxie of Winterbauer, did they? <laughs> that's true. They didn't. Right. That's true. And that's where I learned to be tough. Yeah. And to work with adults and just focus on art. And, you know, I hit 15 and, you know, drugs and music and boys were more interesting than theater. Amen. So I, you know, I hung out at Northern Lights. I hung out at Let It Be. I hung out in everyone's basement who could actually afford to buy import CDs. And I listened to that stuff. You know, every once in a while, they'd let me do some dubs and I could bring some of it home. Wow. Look at that. But <laughs> I didn't I mean, have any money. <laughs> well, no, and I get it. I mean, well, and but that's the thing is like, I mean, I feel like the people who grow up with the fewest means, because I know that you come from humble beginnings. Oh, yeah. I come from very middle class backgrounds, but by no means we were rich. Nobody was getting a car in my right. family on their birthday, anything like that. But I had a few extra bucks. I worked all sure. the time. Right. But I feel like the people who grew up with less work harder and appreciate the grind and are also maybe a little more prepared to take that risk of maybe not getting rich, but doing the creative thing, right? I mean, like, Absolutely. put your grind on and see what you're capable of doing because it's terrifying. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a high risk, low or no reward scenario, but it's still important to do. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I learned at the beginning in theater is just, you know, it's grueling. The stage is a hard master. It doesn't matter if you're sick, you have to show up and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that feeling of just the drudgery, you know? <laughs> I, I know exactly what you, <laughs> you mean. Know? I like it backstage. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, the person sobbing in the corner because they did a bad job. You know, it's just, it's human. It's very human, but I mean, I can, I can smell it because I, I only did high school theater and a little bit into college. But I mean, I can smell the the costume room. I can smell the prop shop. Mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. I can smell what the theater smells like. I sweat, loved it. Sweat and grease paint. Exactly. But literally, yeah. and also the tears of failure and disappointment and mediocrity. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So you do that, and then at some point, though, clearly you went from getting C's and D's in the vocal portions of what you were pursuing to yeah. being like, oh no, I'm actually a singer. How does that start? How does that happen? You know, I'm not sure. I. I did the first time I uh, got in my very first car. I had a CRX, a little Honda CRX. Sweet, yeah. it, was, it was great. <laughs> Blue, red stripe, yep. silver. It was so cool. Holy cowboy. Yeah. Well, I used to drive around and smoke weed and listen to my cassettes <laughs> yeah. and just belt by myself. I used to listen to KLF, the, the white room in my car all the time. Okay. So we're talking 88, 89, because that is one of my. I don't know, top 20 albums of all time. Yeah. Last Train to sit Trans Central, mm -hmm. uh, 3 a.m. Eternal. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. Do I, mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, there's some belters on there. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, that's not my style of vocal at all. But uh -huh. when you're alone and you're feeling confident, you can really push yourself to learn some some skills, yeah. you know, by singing along with somebody that is way 
way better than you. Well, are. especially when you're driving around high as hell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you you sort of develop a new sense of amazing confidence. Yep. Speaking of, just in case people are like, well, so what? Teenage stoner rolling around singing <laughs> these songs. Let's hear something that you did. I don't know, just over a decade after you were listening to that and kind of getting your chops up, you sent this along and I was like, now does she just want to do this to be summery and fun? It's a commercial for Barbie and Kelly who are in their sea-splashing sisters mode where they're on jet skis and they've got certain, like safety vests on and bathing suits. And, and there's a real-life human sort of looking Ken lifeguard in the commercial as well. And I'm like, why the hell did she send this to me? And why the hell did you send it? Well, because I did all the vocals for this commercial. What? Yeah. How does that come to pass? <laughs> well, uh... Actually, the the drummer, Peter Anderson, who was an astronaut wife with me, uh, was doing a lot of work at Hest Kramer in Edina. Um, You'll remember Steve Steve Kramer from The Wallets. Of course. Um, That was their music house, and they needed some twee, young-sounding singers for their repertoire. And so he recommended me, and I went in and ended up doing a bunch of stuff for them, including, um, which I think is funny, I did a bunch of Fago commercials. Which one? Fago. You know, like oh, yeah, the yeah. Juggalo drink. I, I, insane Clown Posse. I'm very familiar. Okay, so <laughs> I was in there, I was in the studio once for two hours because I couldn't say it without a Minnesotan accent and I still can't. Fago. Fago. Yeah. Fago. Right. Fe- I can't do it. It's just Fago. Fago is how you say it in Minnesota. <laughs> However, this is one that you did and I got to be honest, I've heard you sing with Astronaut Wife, with many other local acts. I wouldn't have picked this out as you in a million years, and I freaking love it. It's, I feel like Avril Lavigne owes you her entire career after <laughs> I listen to this. This is a commercial, 30 seconds long, Barbie and Kelly see Splash and Sisters on The Brian Oak Show. Let's be honest. I mean, that's as cool a pop punk song as anyone's <laughs> ever done or ever heard. In your travels and going in and out of that studio, were you ever? Did you ever meet Dee Dee the Dolphin? No, unfortunately, no. and I didn't get any free products either. What? What a jip! I got residu- residuals though. So <laughs> that's that what was- I was going to say. Like mailbox money <laughs> yeah. is better than meeting Dee Dee the Dolphin. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Well, that, congratulations, <laughs> Janie Winterbauer is our guest. And before we continue with her, we should mention that we have a brand new sponsor on board here on the Brian Oak Show podcast, and that would be our friends at Forgotten Star Brewing. Now they're technically in Fridley, but they're literally just over the Minneapolis border. So when people are like, I'm not going all the way to Fridley, don't make that mistake. I mean, you can see downtown from their parking lot. Yeah, the big, beautiful windows there. You can see uh, all the way into downtown. And that building's been around for a long time. They used to make military stuff inside their building. Yeah, they used to make the uh, the barrels for yeah. giant battleship guns and things there. Now, that we're not doing a pro-war, anti-war thing here. It's just the no. history in that building. Like, you used to have a security clearance to get into that building. Now all you have to have is a powerful thirst uh they make a lot of good beers actually you know the guys over there are really fantastic we had a chance to meet them and early on sean and i made a policy that if we were going to take sponsors on on the podcast we were never going to work with assholes no matter what no matter how big the check was 
I mean, unless it was one of them fucking silly checks, yeah, right? Then, but then maybe, but you know what? Little bit but of no, no, no. But we, we, it's more important that we can go to bed at night. We're not doing this to become independently wealthy, although I guess I wouldn't be against that either. But that's not why we're doing it. We want to do it to tell stories about this city, and we want to do it to be a part of this community, which is why it's great to have Palmers on board. It's great to have Forgotten Star on board. They do, and here's the other thing, as much as you, with your realty stuff, give back to local musicians, and yeah. as much as we have tried to recommend people do everything in their power to support the community forgotten star does the same thing i mean they've always got a charity beer on tap oh absolutely and they are completely embedded with that community over there whether it's putting up that rink for everyone to use in the winter time <laughs> or giving money to their local charities plus they've got great beer there you can bring in food they've always got food trucks on hand all i will ask is this you know i'm not a big craft beer guy but these guys are good they've got a wide range of beverages and it's a cool spot. Like, the building is impossibly cool, right? Yeah, tons of character there. And it's dog-friendly inside and out. Which, Whoa. You know, there's people like, I want to go to the bar. I want to go check out this brewery. But I don't want to leave my pooch home alone for several hours. You know how dog types are. Yeah, plus some dogs can drive the self-driving cars. What? <laughs> I don't know Sorry. what you're talking about right now. I'm not sure what that meant, but okay, cool. Well, you know, that cool. was the idea. Was anyway, <laughs> Forgotten Star Brewing in Fridley, but just barely into Fridley. And they're another one of those places, you know, like um, it makes me think of like Tattersall, right? Where yeah. if you're looking for Tattersall, you're like, nope, that's an extruded plastics company. Nope, yes. that's a, an electroplating company. Mm-hmm. They're in the midst of an industrial park, but they've got a gorgeous location indoor and out. They're going to have all kinds of music coming up this year. So Forgotten Star Brewing, thank you very much for jumping on board with the podcast. Janie, you made reference to Pete Anderson, who over the years, he's kind of like another frequent collaborator of yours, uh, Jeremy Ilvesacker, who's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. They play with literally everybody. Pete yeah. Anderson has played with everyone. So let's go back to the day of Astronaut Wife. How do you go from, I'm getting high in my car, I'm belting it out to the KLF, the White Room. How do you go from that to being in a proper band that Radio K loves and Alterna Kids are enjoying everywhere, and you get to play in a bunch of local clubs? Well, I got to tell you, I started my first band in 90. 90- Five. And what was that band called? It was called Nectar. Nectar? Yes. It was, with a K or a C? No, it was with a C. But okay. everyone, everyone that you know worked at the venues that we played at would make sure that we knew that there was a Nectar with a K over oh. in Germany from the 70s or whatever. You're familiar with Nectar, of course, aren't you? It's fun to be talked to like yeah, that, isn't and it? You know what? I'd say, yeah, I am. And they'd be like, oh, well, she's a live one. You, know, <laughs> you, can't, oh. you can't win. You can't win. Well, no, you can't win. And it, I'm going to just, a very brief aside... Is it still like that? Do people still talk to women musicians like they're idiots? When they're young. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't know how to talk back. Yeah. You know? Oof. But it gets better. You have to earn the respect of people, yeah, unfortunately. I, yeah. I, I, just, I, was, <laughs> I was hoping, I mean, you know, we keep hearing all this stuff and I was hoping maybe it's getting better, but it's probably not. Well, you know, a lot of people are well-meaning, but it's still, you know, But they still can't help but talking to you like an idiot, like you're an idiot, because, well, you're a young woman. And how could she really know about music? Oh, yeah. What could she possibly know? Yeah. Well, I was in that band. I was in that band. And then uh, I actually, uh, I was dating a guy that was in a band called February, which were another like Radio K darling thing for a while. Right. 94 or something like that. And my husband, my now husband, uh, his, his roommate was lead singer in that band. Okay. So that's how we met. Um, and he had been in a bunch of other bands and he asked me to sing on this, on this recording project. Astronaut Wife was supposed to be a recording project with three female vocalists, Amy Tranny, myself and Angela Orlick. And, uh, he actually ended up 
sending the very first MP3 that ever went to Radio K to Mark Wheat, and that was Cape Canaveral. Wow. Yeah, which was the song that there was one summer where they played it like twice an hour. It was kind of ridiculous if you were caught in traffic you'd hear it twice <laughs> well i mean ridiculous but kind of in a good way so yeah um, i mean when we talk about your husband christian uh erickson who the the erickson winterbauer conglomerate to me is like the like has been for more than i don't know 20 years like the coolest hippest minneapolis power couple it's kind of awesome yeah I like us too. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I just, you're both really smart. You're both clever. You're both capable. You both are intelligent. You're fun to follow on social media. You're fun to run into in public. I'm just, I'm a huge, huge fan of the two of you and the fact that it's still a thing, like it was supposed to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a really good feeling. We somehow made it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, and congrats and good luck with everything moving forward. So Astronaut Wife happens. Why, what changes that Astronaut Wife doesn't keep happening? Well, I had a baby, and then Angela had a baby. Yeah. And then Amy quit, and, you know, it just, we got a little older. Yeah. I mean, a little older. You I know, understand. Not that much, but, yeah, yeah. you know, and then we all kind of came back later at, with our own projects. We never, we just never regrouped it, you know, but um, we just all kind of branched out and did our own thing, you know, and I joined a band called Basement Apartment, mm -hmm. and because I was hanging out with all of those people, you know, Christian and Ed Ackerson and Jennifer Jurgens had mm. started um, Sustones Records. And so Christian was kind of like silent partner, like right. ideas guy, right. you know. Um, and because of that, um, I met Mark Perlman of the Jayhawks. And he asked me to sing on one of his projects. So we did a record together in 2007, which was a lovely little EP. Um, and from that, uh, I started singing with Gary Loris. And from that, I started singing with John Munson and doing the Bowie tribute with John Eller. And it just mm. kind of exploded into this. There doesn't seem to be a lot of backing vocal. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of backing vocals in this town that are just dedicated specifically to doing backing vocals. There right. aren't a lot of singers that do that. And I started music. I was willing to be good at whatever I was good at. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that I was really good at, you know, backing vocals and reminding people what the lyrics are and how where the changes are and all of that kind of thing. And I'm a blender and I'm a good blender. So even though oftentimes, you know, lead singers, they really have to go out on a limb when they're performing. Right. They're not always on. Oh, no. And that's what backing vocals are there for, to keep them, like, grounded and alert and... It's the vocal equivalent of a rhythm guitar. That's exactly what like, it is. ACDC is not ACDC simply by Angus Young jumping around in a schoolboy outfit without his brother uh, Malcolm uh, being the bedrock of what's happening there. Same thing with vocals. You have to have the bass to be able to dance around and do all your flourishes and your filling. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of consider it in the same way as I consider I, how I love being backstage. Yeah. I just, I like the nuts and bolts and I like being a cog. And I've gotten to the point now in my career where I can say that I'm I'm a necessary cog. Not only necessary, <laughs> you're in demand. I mean, you sing backup. I, it's it's marvelous and kind of surprising just how often I've ended up seeing you. I'm like, oh, that's Janie over there. That's cool <laughs> as hell. I just not knowing that you were going to be a part of the machine. And I don't think, you know, when you describe it like that, well, yes, lead singers, dynamic front people, whatever, always interesting, always exciting, and obviously sort of the headline stealers, right? Mm -hmm. But 
whether we're talking about a sports team or a, uh, a corporate team working on this specific thing or game developers or whatever we're talking, a, a bakery, I mean, everybody has to have a role. And if they don't fulfill their role properly, then it all goes to shit. I mean, everything has to be there. And background vocals, I mean, I've been a... I've been a harmonies and uh, and and uh, just the other day I shared a song by the Canadian band Sloan and their their ability to harmonize and do background vocals mm-hmm. almost steals the spotlight from the lead singer in my opinion. I mean, yeah. so it's, it's a crucial crucial element. So before we talk more about exactly everyone you've been working with and what's been going <laughs> on, um, I would like to hear see because this is cool to me. I remember the very first time I saw on social media. I don't remember if it was your husband or you talking about this band, the Seventeen and. And the reason I liked it is I'm old enough that on weekends I would be up late watching public television and it was my very first exposure to Doctor Who, mm-hmm. the Tom Baker era, right? And so Leela was one of the very first companions. The Doctor always has a companion or two in the modern era and sometimes back <laughs> then. Occasionally, yes, uh, it gets a little hectic in the TARDIS sometimes, but I was a Doctor Who fan from a very, very young age and I... I, I remember seeing that the the project that you guys decided to do together is called the Seva Team, and I'm like, no way. I mean, it rang the faintest bell on the back of my head. I'm like, I think Leela was a Seva Team because they were basically an advanced scientific group that went out to research something and then got marooned and became a weird tribe, right? Right, right. And so I was like, oh. Interesting. We also have another mutual friend uh, that I believe your husband was in a band with or knows really well, Paul Charchian. Oh, yeah, Charch. Who's been on this show more than a couple <laughs> times. Charch is a very, very dear friend of mine. In fact, I just saw him this morning. He's great. Oh, I mean, I love that guy. But when I told him, I'm like, hey, your buddy Christian has a band called the Seven, T- Seven Team, like like Doctor Who. He's like, oh, ask him. And he did. And yeah. So, I mean, how does... How does this happen? I mean, like, you know, you're already living together. You've got kids together. You've got a family. Where does the idea for the Seventeen come from? Well, he's always wanted to write a Doctor Who rock opera ever since he was like 10 years old mm-hmm. in Michigan, you know, and uh, so he did. He wrote an entire album um, around uh, an episode from season four, The Caves of Androzani. Really? So yeah. the whole album is about one particular episode? It is. And we got really? we got all kinds of people to sing on it. We got Malman to sing on it. We got Messer Smith to sing on it. We got Ilva Soccer to play on it. Right. I sang on it. Um, Ed was on, Ed Ackerson was on there a couple times. R.I.P., by the way. It, I get sad every time yeah. somebody brings up his name on this show. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was this great thing, and he put it together, and uh, we made sure that all of the... You know, is pay what you want, and all of the proceeds go to Doctors Without Borders. Right. We managed to make about ten thousand dollars. Wow. For for Doctors Without Borders, and it's great. You know, it's a great project. Did and, anyone from the BBC or whoever owns the rights to Doctor Who ever get up in your grill about no, it or get in touch with you about they it? They didn't have a problem with it. Nice. No, but we were in Doctor Who magazine, the UK version. There's like a whole like like wow. spread, like a centerfold spread of pictures of people recording and. And, and, you know, it's pretty cool. Knowing what I know of your husband, and I don't know him that well, but I've met him a few times, and I've, I've gleaned enough from his sharings and, you know, by talking to the two of you. For someone who's had a dream to do something like this since he was 10, getting a spread in Doctor Who magazine must have been fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he was floating around for a while I'll there. bet. I'll <laughs> bet. Absolutely. Well, let's hear some of it right here based on none other. And this is Baker era Doctor Who, yeah? Yeah. This... This isn't actually from that oh, album. Oh, it's not? But it's still based on Doctor Who. Is every song by the Seventeen 
based somehow on Doctor Who? I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in his head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then let's enjoy it for what it sounds like right here. This is called Dark Side, the Seven Team on the Brian Oak Show. As a dyed-in-the-wool Numenoid, uh, Gary Newman, who I will be seeing this fall in the First Avenue main room, one of my all-time favorite artists, not ironically, and I know a lot of people that have never heard a song other than Cars, maybe our friends Electric. I own everything he's ever done, and I'm a deep fan. And so I love both weird, eerie, icy synthesizer, but I also love beautiful, gorgeous pop synthesizer. And I like the voices that go along with it. So you're singing lead on that track right there. Yeah, I am. And who else is singing on there? Uh, that's uh, Jaylee Small. Um, Christian, uh, 
went to this app called Sound Better that Spotify owns, mm-hmm. looking for other people to sing on his projects. Um, be, you know, people that were more pop singers than he was, because right. he's just constantly writing songs. Uh-huh. She ends up to be, she's the daughter of Millie Small, who uh, sang the song Lollipop. Not Lollipop. Lollipop. Yeah, yeah. Lollipop. You make, you make my heart go giddy up. Uh-huh. That one? Yeah. Exactly. Like way back in the day. And so the daughter just said, I'm going to put my voice out there and I can sing and I'm going to end up doing these things. What's it? Sound Better is what it's called? It's called Sound Better. So anybody out there who's sitting at home doing a bedroom project or a big studio project, you're like, shit, I need another singer on this. You could go there and find someone who'd be willing to do your tracks? Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Wow. Janie Winterbauer is our guest right now. Before we continue our conversation, we have to mention a couple other people. One is we have to mention our good friends over at Palmer's. You know, with the reopening of everything and people actually getting back out and seeing live shows and doing live shows, it's coming racing back, man. It's kind of nutty just how much is on the way back. I already feel like I'm missing out on things. Like, cause there's oh, so yeah. much to do that I'm like, oh shit, I want to do that. And I want to do this and I want to do that. And I've, it's, it's hard. I've already had my first couple of, oh no shit. I already got plans that yep. me, I don't ever have plans for anything. I mean, did, yep. I didn't before the pandemic and then I for sure didn't, but there's a lot of great stuff coming up over at Palmer's. Um, Oddly enough, somehow Tony booked his own band, Eleganza. They're going to be performing <laughs> live over there. That's what you do. Tony. Exactly. The Federales, Mickey Orlando. Tony Zaccardi's a good friend of the podcast as well. He's been on a few times, and Tony's just one of the kindest people on the planet. And so to know that he survived the pandemic in the way he has, mm-hmm. and that Palmer's is there and thriving, and they're getting after it again. In fact, Christy Costello, who's helping him book, is going to be the guest on our next podcast. She will indeed. Awesome. Yeah. So you got John Louie and J.E. Sunday, and who else do we got coming up here? I'm just taking a quick look well palm Lo- fest is coming up too oh that's true yep at the end of this uh, month well july 18th just a couple short days from now low rats who everybody says might be the coolest most exciting new rock band in the twin cities i have to go check them out because i don't make it out of the house very often and that's a sunday night it'll be after my bedtime but everyone else should go see low rats <laughs> this coming sunday <laughs> along with chandler union suits etc etc uh, head on over to palmersbar.net everything you want to know oh man gay witch abortion best band name ever I, it's got to be right. I yep. mean, I used to think it was front porch swinging liquor pigs, and then I heard <laughs> gay witch abortion, and I'm like, they want to offend everyone. That's right. And well done, mm-hmm. well done, <laughs> gay witch abortion. Anyway, the, the evening of uh, yacht rock is coming up. They got a lot of cool stuff as well as Palm Fest. So details on everything coming up in terms of live music at Palmer's Bar over at palmersbar.net. And should you catch them on the odd night where there's not live music? Belly up to the bar, man. Legendary West Bankers have bellied up to that very same bar right there. Classic Minneapolis venue. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much to them. And thank you, Sean Bernard, because, A, you know, we're buds. We've been working on and off together for, oof. Well, we just mentioned at the top of the show, you're 50, bro. Yeah, ooh, that's crazy. Dusty. I think we first met when I was about 22. Little chuggy. Yeah, no, served. me too. And yeah. I was probably about 25 when yeah. that happened. Oof. Anyway, here we are, low these many years later, not only still friends, but now business partners and uh, doing the podcast together for 171 episodes. You also, though, have a little side hustle uh, where you're a realtor. Uh, I mean, other than the big podcast money you're pulling down on the monthly here, you're also a realtor for Edina Realty. Yeah, I'm actually doing open houses for my aunt Alexis McCarthy's place. Uh, right by Minnehaha Falls. It's actually the Minnehaha Falls Art Fair this weekend. So we're doing. I'm doing an open house Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 12:30. 
Really cool aunt. She's one of those aunts that never had a TV when you're growing up, but you go over to visit her and she would make you do art projects. I say make you because on the front side, I was like, I don't want to do art projects. This yeah. is what I do at school during the week. But then we do these incredible art projects. And at the end of it, I'm like, I don't totally suck at art. And we'd end up having a great time with our aunt Alexis. But now she's moving to Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm going to have two people to visit there, which will be pretty cool. But if you know somebody looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. And I am donating a portion of every sale on the buy side or the sell side to a local artist or musician of your choice, including background singers or necessary cogs, as I like to call them. (laughs) (laughs) Necessary cogs is like a good name for an article or like a good name for a, I don't know. I like it. Maybe an EP of some sort. Perfect. Necessary cogs. Janie Winterbauer is one of those very necessary cogs. She's an important part of the music scene here in the Twin Cities and has been doing it at a high level for a very long time. Let's talk about some of the other, as you mentioned, you know, you started working here with Munson. And, I mean, you've worked with the new standards. You work with the suburbs. In fact, we're going to hear some suburbs music. Is this new music that we're going to hear? Brand new. Brand new record. Oh, like brand, brand new. Ooh. Brand, brand new. All right, so we're going to hear that in a minute. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But you start getting these kinds of gigs. I mean, so you've been doing this for a long time, right? So it's not surprising. You're a known quantity. You are a reliable <laughs> individual who shows up. and no, But you like you said, there's a gift. My wife's a choir teacher, right? And so when you talk about being good at blending, being good at pointing things out, being good at giving just the right amount of direction to those sensitive divas that are up front, right? Yep. <laughs> Male and female. Yep. But I mean, that's a crucial role. Without that, it's not as good as it otherwise might be. You're good at that. So you have become, and so when I say reliable, I don't mean boring. I don't mean basic. I mean right. reliable. That's not something everybody is. No, but you need to have something to fall back on, you know? Yes. You know? It's hard to be at the front of the stage. Oof. You need to, I, I don't enjoy it at yeah. all. And I, I never will. <laughs> right. And that's fine, you know. But yeah, I mean, you want, you want to feel like you're making sure that you're, you're bolstering the front of the stage. Well, as you much have, as I possible. Mean, everybody on that stage, I always feel bad for drummers, even when they're mm-hmm. amazing or when they sing, because they're stuck in the back and mm-hmm. you can't roam around the stage with your drum kit, you know. Even <laughs> Edgar Winter came up with an idea to move around with his synthesizer, right? <laughs> yep. With the giant thing and do Frankenstein. When you're the drummer, you're stuck in the back, but you're crucial. Without the drummer, you're a folk trio. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's what you are. And so I feel the same way. And here's what I love about what you do. Um, I so I am a I'm a big big huge fan of harmonies uh, and and that kind of vocalizing. Anybody can do it in the studio, right? I mean, you can do 55 takes. Yeah, you yeah. can redraw it with Pro Tools. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Being able to pull it off live is an actual gift. It, mm-hmm. It's and, and it's again not something everybody can do. Yeah, I know it's true. One one time when I was about I don't know 23, I was in the studio at Flowers. And I was recording some backing vocals. And I said, sorry, Ed, because I thought I had done something just terribly off key. And he's like, (laughs) no one's ever going to accuse you of being off key, Janie. Don't worry. And it was the most flattering thing anyone had ever said. And so now when I am off key, I just remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I have it on tape. Uh, Ed said that I'll never be accused of being off key. So why don't you you go worry about your business over there? All right. But I mean, I mean, part of it, too, is like, you know, I... I really do prefer pop singing, but just singing as straight as possible. Like right. I'm not interested in flourishes and things like I can do those things. And those I have crazy to. runs where yeah. you're yeah, like conducting yourself—that's yeah, none of my business. Oof. You know, I, I, I do be prefer. Anybody's business. <laughs> I don't like that stuff. Me neither. It was interesting when I started doing wits because um, 
every week we would have a different artist. So we would spend the week learning their music. But because we weren't able or allowed to communicate with the artists, we didn't always know if they were going to change the key. Oh, my God. So they would show up at 4 p.m., and we would do a run-through of their music that we had been working on without them all week long. Day of the performance? Yeah. And why were you not allowed to talk to them? Because the producer said we couldn't talk to them. Ugh. So, and wow. She, and she didn't... It was funny, because she didn't know anything about music, but she she thought she did. So she was like, oh, I'll just run interference. It's more professional. And she was trying to protect the artist uh, from being hassled by a bunch of locals? Or what was she doing? Yeah, basically. Wow. But, you know, Munson was the music director, so it was frustrating. So we would learn some of these songs in different keys. And when Rufus Wainwright came through, oh dear, he yeah, he was uh, jet lagged and he wanted to do everything in B flat. Okay. Oh. And we had, we had learned everything in G or F or A, A minor, uh-huh. you know. But no, B flat. And we had pedal steel up there and and a vibraphone and stand up bass and you know it was it was a mad dash. Nobody got to eat dinner that day. Oh, I imagine <laughs> that there was a lot of, of hemming and hawing and hand wringing. But, I mean, but like, you have to you have to adapt and you have to adjust, right? Yeah. And and you know we managed to make it work. But. Well, wits to me sounds like for someone like you who comes from a theater background and then music is a huge part of your life. That's sort of that beautiful intersection, that, that that sweet spot in the middle of the Venn diagram, right? I mean, absolutely, it has the immediacy and the danger and the drama and the excitement of theater with all the musicality draped over the top of it. And especially, I can't believe they didn't let you talk to them before the day of because I've seen like behind the scenes stuff for like, let's say SNL, right? Right. And so the writers start working. They get Sunday off. Monday, they are putting in 12 to 15 hour days every damn day trying to come up with skits. About halfway through the week, the star of the show comes in. It's in town for a few days. They start bouncing ideas off each other. They start slowly working together Mm -hmm. and workshopping it and whittling it down to what's going to work best. Not being able to talk to the artist, to even like just just a quick Zoom call or whatever. Now that I mean, obviously back then that wasn't the thing, but you know what I mean? Some kind of connectivity to be able to at least be on vaguely the same page. That sounds terrifying to me. It was terrifying. You know, and sometimes once in a while we would get, I remember They Might Be Giants was on the show. Mm. And uh, Munson requested that we, you know, get some charts sent to us because we couldn't figure some stuff out. So dude sends these charts over that we can't read. So we just faked it until they got there and we didn't have anything down correctly oh and he's gosh. like i provided charts for everybody it didn't help <laughs> yeah were so, they written in sanskrit or it looked like it yeah. <laughs> it looked like it but you know one of i just wanted to say that lissy song that you played mm-hmm. at the beginning here um i sang back up on that on, with her on on wits at wits really yeah when she was on the first time tell me so i've interviewed her a couple times but it was i'm radio guy your entertainer so there's a certain relationship there tell me that behind the scenes she's as amazing as she seems she's lovely she's fey wonderful just like you know yes exactly fey thank you i'm i'm always trying to figure out why it is i can't take my eyes off her that might be exactly it right there i Mm -hmm. might being drawn to the to the other realm yep I think you're right. Interesting. (laughs) Janie Winterbauer is our guest. You recently, speaking of all these things opening back up and getting back out into the real world, you recently performed in the freaking entry, (laughs) which again, for people who are not from the Twin Cities, the 7th Street entry is both sacred and profane, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it, it is one of those crucibles, those melting pots where I've seen some of the worst shows I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I've also been transported to the other end of the universe. Speaking of Faye, by things that I never could have expected. And 
man, seeing McCluskey in that room. And I mean, again, over the years, they've done some things to the green room, which is not luxury Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And I know that they've had a year off to sort of revamp the bathroom. It looked a little cleaner, but still held (laughs) it still held its distinctive charm in the picture I saw. But the suburbs were the first show back there. And you sing with the suburbs, right? What was it like being back in the entry? Magical. Yeah. It was very exciting. We did two nights in a row. So uh, like we did 90 minute sets. So it was an exhausting weekend. And both sold out. I mean, but so you've got a room packed full of people who have, A, been ultra hungry to get back out and see live music, right? And the suburbs, literally to this day, because I grew up here, and they played at every Family Fun Fest, every Mm -hmm. Valley Fair show, I've literally seen the suburbs more live than any band I've ever seen in my entire life. I love them. I know how other people feel about them. And here we are, and it's this fever pitch, and people are back in the goddamn entry, yeah. right? I mean, it must have been incredible. It was, and you know, the suburbs never played the entry before. What? Because by, when the entry opened, they were already too big to play there. Really? Yeah, so they'd never, in 45 years, they had never Crazy. played the entry. How many days ago was this? Last weekend. So last weekend, <laughs> the suburbs, for the first time ever, played an entry show, and it was sold out. I mean, people must have been losing their minds. So let me ask you this, then. As a performer, you know, we talked to so many performers and musicians on this show where it's that it's it's the, the, the biofeedback loop, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, okay, we're giving you all this, and you guys are sucking it in, and they give it right back to you because they're screaming, and they're singing, and there are tears streaming down, and they're feeling it. There's no way that energy doesn't keep moving through the circle, right? Correct. What What is it like when you're on stage and that sort of, because obviously not every live show reaches that kind of critical mass, right? No. I'm certain it did this past weekend. What does that feel like as a performer? Does it distract you? Does it inspire you? Does it sort of, I don't know, embolden you? How does it feel when you are absorbing that energy? It absolutely emboldens me. Yeah? Absolutely. Because, you know, I have stage fright, just like most normal people. Of course. And um, Everybody hates talking. Even <laughs> on a podcast, they hate it, you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So, right. Um, it, it, it helps me because I'm up there with so many dynamic players. I mean, there's always something to look at up there. Everyone is an individual working together and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, the, it definitely emboldens me and, and, you know, I have this, this new crowd that stands in front of me when we play. It's all ladies. I've never had that in my entire life. It's pretty cool. How great is that? Awesome. <laughs> so that's fantastic. That's, that's kind of a new thing. Yeah. Except every once in a while, you know, I'll play tambourine, you know, because Hugo says I'm the best tambourinist he's ever met. So that means I can't stop playing tambourine no matter what anyone says about Holy it. Holy crap. So you're never going to be off key. That's already been established. Nice. And you're the best tambourine player that Claire's has ever met. That's fantastic. <laughs> so that's that's also a thing because, you know, I'm, I'm playing with the rhythm section. I'm next to Jeremy Ilvisacker and Steve Price and, and Hugo Claire's. And it's just... It feels so good. Yeah. I just, you know, it's like a big drum circle, really, you know? Exactly. Well, so it's funny you should mention drum circle because I remember I had friends growing up. I lived with four deadheads for about a year and a half. And <laughs> so they all had the bumper stickers and everything. But there was something, if you went to a dead show called the Phil Zone, where everybody was standing. There were the, this, these group of individuals who stood in front of Phil Lesh, the bass player. And that was called the Phil Zone. So now there's a Janie Zone. <laughs> Janie Zone. I like it. I love it. Every once in a while, though, there's one girl, and I've seen her a couple times. This is one girl. She she gets really excited and really drunk, and she wants to hold my tambourine. Oh dear! And you know, don't ask a lady for her tambourine when she's on stage. No, when no, she's no. on stage, you're not you're not supposed Can to break your, the no, wall. No, no, no. That's but they do, wall. and 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 they put their purse on the end of the stage no, too. No, 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 no. 
occasionally a drink, but then I'm always like, no, you can't put your drink by the monitor, man. Don't yeah. do that. I mean, I'm, so I've done it accidentally a few times. <laughs> but I mean, there's action. Ha- Look, the energy transfer is the only thing that's allowed to permeate that barrier. I agree. It's hard on the entry, though, when people are packed right up They're to the right front. They're right there. Yeah. I remember, oh. remember the first show I ever played was in the entry. Really? And it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a drunk show. It was an all-ages afternoon show. Wow. And so the sunlight was just streaming <laughs> through the back, and there are all these kids, you know, yeah. under 21. I just remember. Like, Smelly. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's weird to think about light streaming into the entry, yes. right? I mean, yeah. this depressing. is a cave. This it's is, depressing. yeah, no, it's not supposed to feel that way. No. That's awesome. So as you look forward now, so you've done that with the suburbs now, you've sort of broken your, your quarantine, right? I mean, like your, mm-hmm. your performance quarantine. So what's next? What does the rest of the summer or the fall look like? Do you have plans to make more music with the seven team do you have plans to go out and sing more with other people what do you look forward to doing this summer okay well first of all we are making more seven team seven team music mm-hmm. um and you know what usually happens for me in the summer is i'll get a call every week or so hey will you come sit with us on this gig or will you just come and I, I just wait for that kind of stuff to just roll around lucky yeah it's it's kind of nice. I mean, it's, it's not great. like it pays much or well, anything, no, I but mean, it's fun. Nobody's getting rich, it's, but... It's nice to be liked. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, and respected you, because you're so damn good. Damn I mean, that's what it really is. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking my language. We're not getting rich doing this podcast. I've never gotten rich <laughs> doing radio, but it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. So when you get yeah. those calls, it feels good, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, shit, yeah, I want to go sing. And we do have some more Burbs shows coming up later in, in the summer as well. Okay. Um, I don't actually know what those dates are yet because they're still floating around. Everyone's scrambling to get gigs and stuff like it's that. It's chaos right now. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, we've got to play more because it is the 45th anniversary of the band. That's crazy and, you know, to me. And, and you know what? I'm going to be 45 in September. Wait, what? So I'm the same age as the band I'm in. That's <laughs> wild. Oh, well. Isn't that's that crazy? crazy? Isn't I mean, that weird? That's, but... But so kind I, I of awesome. A, like it's, I, yeah, it's it I, dovetails nicely. It's supposed to be that way. I get a lot of old fans coming up to me saying, "You know, they played at my prom." Yeah, of course they played at every single prom. <laughs> that was the bit. The <laughs> reason, the the reason yes. I've seen them more than any other band in my entire life is because they just always played. I mean, they would do cool shows. They would do street festivals. They would be at the Family Fun Fair. They would be at Valley Fair mm-hmm. where fourteen-year-old Brian could go see them live. <laughs> I have seen, but then well into my adulthood, I've seen them so. I've probably seen that band conservatively 30 times possibly 40 times i just i was always a fan and i remain one to this day so let's go ahead and wrap it up right there before we say goodbye i do want to thank all of our sponsors i want to thank forgotten star brewery uh we got to thank um palmer's bar of course yeah and of course smart start mn yes Uh, audio quip they're the ones who instead of recording this into our smartphones over a dining room table we actually have a really beautifully equipped studio here in the smart start mn studios audio quip I, want, I really want people to think about them as we open up, as the world gets back, as people start going out and doing shows, poetry slams, TED Talks, whatever it is you do. Yeah. Welcome to my <laughs> I think TED Talk. a lot talk. of TED Talkers are listening to the Brian Oak Show. They should be. Uh, no, you, that's are, right. They are, should are, be. Are you looking for ideas? Are you? <laughs> hey, maybe you could come here and give us a TED Talk or just bring one of those little microphones that tapes to the side of your face like that. Anyway, Audio Quip <laughs> does a great, great job of hooking people up and getting out there. They've survived and weathered the pandemic. So have you. And they've stuck with us the entire time. And they're great people. Like I said, Sean and I refuse to work with fucking dicks. We're just not yep. going to do it. And they're the opposite of whatever a dick is. 
Yeah, we did that too much in our early career. Oh. Well, learn somehow. Speak for yourself, all right? Some of us are still back at it. Oh, that's right. Anyway, that's right. I forgot about that. Anyhoosie. We should also mention to all of our Patreon listeners um, that this coming Tuesday, we have got our first back from the pandemic Patreon event. We promised when we launched this podcast that at least monthly, maybe every six weeks, we were going to provide a cool, unique, intimate music performance for all of our Patreon members. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And so it made liars out of Sean and Sean. Uh, <laughs> it, made li- it made liars out of us. And so now we want to get back to it. We want to do it for real. This coming Tuesday, we're going to be... At Beast Barbecue in Northeast Minneapolis. It's right next to... I can't remember the name of it. That's cool. Uh, Eli's. It's right next to oh, Eli's in Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, my friend Johnny Mack owns the place. It's fantastic. The barbecue is really good. We will be in the basement. If you are a Patreon member... Or a friend of mine, or Brian's, or a family member, or if you've ever been a guest on this show, how or do you feel if about you've that? ever been a guest, because several of our guests are going to be uh, there, and of course, Janie, you're invited as well. If you're not busy you. on Tuesday, okay. um, I'm sure she's singing with somebody two. new. Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. You can jump up and sing with Katie Vernon and Courtney Yasmine. They'll both be uh, performing that night. We can't wait to be there. I uh, can't wait to see everybody. We will have. We're going to have gifts. Which are surprise gifts. Oh, we do have some surprise gifts. Surprise gifts. gifts. And we'll also have our totes, which we've had for about eight months. We've been sitting on them. And for those of you who are like, where the fuck is my tote bag? Well, guess what? Fuck you, NPR. We're, we're, we're taking we're taking over tote bag yes, land, all right? And we have got Brian Oak Show totes uh, coming out of our butts. And so, actually, we won't give you those. We'll no. give you the ones right out of the box, the clean ones. Yeah, yeah Clorox. Okay. So anyway, um, we should probably wrap things up. It yeah, feels we like should. We're, it's it feels over. Like we're we, we should have ended about two minutes. I over. know, I know, I know. But we had a lot of people to thank, and we're we looking forward to seeing everyone. By the way, if you want to become a Patreon member... Two bucks a month, five bucks a month, $155,000 a month. I don't care. If you go to patreon.com slash Brian Oak Show, all one word, you can become a member and join us for all the events we're going to be lining up in the months and hopefully years to come. Janie, I hope that you have a fantastic summer. Thank you. I hope you do as well. Thank you very much. And I know that you are, you work, you sing, you're a mom. Your kids seem like, without diving in, because I don't really like to dig into people's personal lives, but your kids seem both wonderful and creative and gentle, and I like that about them. Yes, I do too. Yeah, I mean, is that a fair? Is that an accurate description? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And to me, that's I don't know. It's the best way to be, right? Absolutely. So uh, let's get out of here. And like you said, the suburbs, in addition to having been a band for forty-five years, don't really show any signs of stopping in the foreseeable future, up to and including continuing to make new music. Mm-hmm. What do we got here? This is a track off of our latest album, Poets Party. And that's me uh, backing up Chan, pulling, making him sound good. Okay, well, that, because that's what you do. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. You're welcome. All right. The Brian Oak Show, episode 171. Here's the suburbs.
Yeah.